With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Looking to make your holiday gifts more extraordinary? There's one place you need to go. Paper Source. Paper Source's gift wrap collection includes hand-illustrated designs, stone paper, sustainable handmade fine papers, and even pine-scented wrap. Don't want to do any wrapping? Paper Source has easy solutions with their pre-wrap gift boxes and bags. Or you can leave it to the professionals with their in-store wrapping service. Give yourself time back and wrap up your holidays with something extraordinary. Visit papersource.com or stop by a Paper Source near you today. Specs has everything you need to raise the bar on sipping season. Bring home the savings on all of your cravings with Specs lower prices on a Texas-sized selection of world-class wines, rare spirits, and fall beer perfection. Skip the yard work and leaf bagging toil. Specs whiskey pecan pie is made with Crown Royal. So kick off the season with a slice, sip, and cheer. Cause at Specs, the fun starts here. Howdy neighbors, this is Penelope Flynn and the rest of your Blurt Assassins next door, Cranston, Sonia, Nikki, and Otto. And we are here tonight to talk about those shows where the animals talk. But before we get started, we are going to talk about the weather. This is the top center, so let us know what's the weather like in Jacksonville. 57 degrees. It has been kind of chilly all day with misty rain. Uh, it hasn't been um, too hot most of the week, although it says 80s, but you can't let that in sunlight fool you. And about five o'clock, it gets dark. Mm. You know, I noticed that too. I looked at it and said, Yeah, it's dark. That's right. Time change. Time change. But what is your forecast for this coming week? Um, more of the same that they're just guessing. Uh, supposed to be in the uh, upper 70s and expected with some rain next week, but they're not sure. All right. So, Sonia, how was your weather? Uh, 35 degrees. I don't know what it feels like because I haven't been outside. I'm not that crazy. Um, it's supposed to get down to 28-ish tonight and tomorrow, and then get up to a balmy 59 degrees on Wednesday and Thursday. Ooh, bikini weather. <laughs> so now, how are you feeling up there? Up there going from Florida then to Georgia? From, from, eight, from 80, yeah, Georgia, Florida. Uh, I heard that Tallahassee and Atlanta are both having heat waves. They've been in the 80s. Mm. So, Yeah. <laughs> Should be some sunshine. It's it's been actually pretty days, and the wind isn't blustering. So I I go out when the wind doesn't bluster. Good one, man. You start to get get used to it. Are y'all expecting any snow anytime soon? It snowed the literally at the stroke of midnight on the first. Wow. Okay. So we've already had our first snow. All right. Um, yeah. So. There's, there's that, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, tomorrow is soup weather. Oh, which is the 20s, correct? 
No, yeah, yeah. So we're making soup for everybody tomorrow. Ooh. How about you, Nikki? How's the weather in South Florida? It's seventy-nine degrees here. Uh. <laughs> How yeah. wonderful! Is it sunny or rainy? Um, it was sunny today. It was nice. Oh, how nice. It, how nice. It got all the way up. It got all the way up to 88 degrees, but it was nice. Oh, no, I, I, I'm jealous. I'm really jealous. All right. And, and Otto, how's the weather? Perfect. That's absolutely perfect. Sunny, partly sunny, partly cloudy, about 70 degrees, a low about 55. And, uh, is exactly what you should expect in November. Yeah, but unfortunately, a few days ago, it was actually warm. It's air conditioner, air conditioner warm. Yeah, yeah, it was the eighties, like almost ninety degrees. Yeah, but it, and then, but it corrected. The weather corrected itself. Yeah, but then it's going from like two days from the air conditioner to the heater. That's that's rough. Yeah, I don't need no heater. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Get out of here. It's all good. Speak for yourself, man. I love it. I love it. Did it. All right. You enjoy yourself okay. then. All right. So tonight we are going to talk about the shows with the talking animals. And this started off kind of with a conversation that Otto and I were having. I don't know what we were talking about, but we kind of slid into the issue of these talking animals. Maybe we're talking about the fact that a couple of weeks ago we had a show where we've had, uh, we talked about Scooby-Doo and Astro. You know, with a rut row, you know, kind of thing, you know, with the talking. And then, but in that situation, in those, that world, that both the dogs talked, but everybody knew that they talked. Even though they spoke, you know, with like a speech impediment, everybody knows that they can talk, right? Yeah. Uh Okay. But then you move on to, let's say, uh, Mr. Ed. And then Mr. Ed. People remember that show? Oh, yeah. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. And Mr. Ed, though, only what's the guy's name? What's the guy's name who owned Mr. Ed? Wilbur. 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 You're right. Okay, now, Wilbur is the only person for a long time that knew that Mr. Ed talked, correct? He's the only person, mm-hmm. as far as I know, that knew he could talk. He's the only one that admitted it. Yeah. So, in that sense, he's the only one that knew that Mr. Ed talked. He only talked to him. And everybody else, he talked, you know, you know, neighing like a horse. Then you have things like, uh, what's the name of the, uh, 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 McGilla Gorilla, where Mr. Peebles and the little girl, they know that McGilla Gorilla talks, right? And then Wally Gator. Yes. Penelope, you also have yes, Mr. Yes. the frog on um. I'm Bugs Bunny. Yes, he did all this. Well, he sang. He didn't talk to the guy, but he did sing. But he yeah. only sang to the guy, Michigan J. Frog. Remember? Oh yeah, we, yeah. Michigan oh, right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, but only he heard him talking. Right. And then you have like Wally Gator, who's always trying to escape and get back to the wilderness, to the um, Everglades. And right. you have Yogi Bear, right? And right. Yellow Park, but I know that the Ranger knows that he talks. He and Boo Boo both talk, but yeah. does anybody else ever talk to Yogi Bear? Does anybody remember that? 
Nah, well, I don't remember. I remember stealing baskets, but no. Yeah, he was too busy eating. For anybody yeah. to, to pass the time with anyone except for the ranger, right? Yeah, as far as we yeah. know. As far as we know. So, I mean, as we watch, watch these well, shows. Well, you forgot about Francis the Talking Mule. People don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, that's an old show, and I don't think probably Cranston maybe remember it, or maybe some <laughs> it's it's an old movie. <laughs> no, because he watches all those old program things. I know James would, but he's not here. But he you, you watch um all that Me Too and stuff, but I don't know if I, I didn't recognize it when I saw it on your promo, but it came to me as I was recovering from something. I was like, oh yeah, Francis. Francis, the I've, I've, yeah, I think he came before Mr. Ed. Yes, he did. So yeah, that's so about that. That these so these programs where people talk to the animals, and only they can talk to the animals. We have programs where people um, talk to the animals, and everybody knows that the animals can talk, right? Yeah. And then you have the the programs where, like Scooby Doo and those guys, where they speak, you know, with an, an impediment, but you know they're still talking. We still understand what they're saying. But they are, you know, just, you know, I guess, I don't know, just, you know, uh, pet language or something, I want to call it, maybe. Yeah, you speech know. Owner familiarity. Yeah, so it's uh, interesting to talk about these kind of shows and whether people, obviously, there's some reason why we have them. People like them. Um, but for what reasons? I mean, is this anthropomorphic, you know, animals being, you know, treated like people, acting like people? Why do we like these shows? Why are we attracted to them? Or why do we have aversions to them? I you think, know what? I think I think people insist that you like these shows. You know, I mean, the talking animals, talking things. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, my mother, the car. Remember those old, mm -hmm. old shows like yeah. that? The, the things they're not supposed to talk. Talk. Yeah, but in those shows, number one, that's because like the where, for instance. You have the um, the dog, you know that that talks, and only the owner can talk to him. Like you know, Davy and Goliath. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Is is that? Or, and, and also, Mr. Ed Wilbur's the only person that talks to Mr. Ed. You know, is this? Are we supposed to, as an audience, believe or think that Mr. Ed is actually talking, or that you know this person is, um, you know, a little off kilter? You know, but Wilbur's crazy. Yes. Oh, Wilbur's crazy. And Davy has some issues. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to believe, or are we supposed to take it that, yes, this is an actual thing that happens, that they are actually talking? Well, there's a Ryan, Ryan Reynolds film where he um, he doesn't take his meds and his, and his pets, his cat and his dog talk to him. So seems like he may, you know, people may, could, they could be crazy. Nobody knows. I mean, you know, Mr. Ed, the thing about Mr. Ed is why why does he have a horse in the first place? You know, that's that's the issue. Yeah, so yeah, he doesn't ride the horse, right? No. I never is saw him get on top of the horse. Have you ever seen him ride the horse? He never rode the horse. Did he pull a wagon or something like that? No, horse just and also it had to be kind of animal cruelty because Mr. Ed never left his stall. <laughs> yeah, what the hell going on? Yeah, but saw, I've never saw him take him out, you know, to walk or anywhere and go to a field or anything no. like that. What was no. the purpose of him being there? Or he never fed him as near as I can tell. <laughs> he, he definitely didn't muck out that stall. So 
But yeah, that's what the office was. So. so maybe he wasn't there at all. No, he was there because his wife saw. The thing is, if Mr. X could talk, he would say, call the police. <laughs> I mean, but he did talk. He used the phone, didn't he? He I could use the phone somehow. Yeah. How he dialed it, I don't know. But... <laughs> yeah, but I remember Mr. Ed using the phone. Could use the phone. <laughs> well, back in the day, all you need to do is get on and, and call the operator. The operator. Yeah. yeah. So you just knock the phone off the off the receiver and then off the cradle and then say operator and then they could call and put his call through. Yeah. Right. right. Collect sometimes too. So. Well, who do you say that he was? He's making those calls. I don't know. I don't know a particular episode, but I've never seen them. So. You never had to identify who was calling. You just had to say who you were calling for. Hmm. Yeah, I guess they could tell from your phone number who you are. Right. So. I guess they figured it was Wilbur calling. Yeah. Yeah, but you wow. know, there's that, there's a lot of unexplained stuff with these animals that talk. You say and you they, know, you know, yeah. you really sound different in person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think the same. The guy who did Mr. Ed is the same voice that did um, Francis the Talking Mule. Is that right? I may be wrong. They sound the same. Mm. I don't know if anybody want to check fact check that or not. But mm-hmm. but well, anyway, yes. But the other thing is, in real life, that was really animal cruelty was the way they the way they made Ed talk was they mm-hmm. smear peanut butter in his mouth. <laughs> That makes me talk all the time. Is that bad for horses? I don't think it's bad for them. It's bad for the person whose job that is, you know. True. I just know. So mm-hmm. it's like stuff your mouth full of food and that and they just put words in your mouth. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, but I, I'm gonna tell you when we start talking about this, the thing that really, you know. Beyond the people who are only talking to the animal and the only person that is talking to the animal is the fact that in the instances where we have the animals that are existing in the people world and that they are talking and everybody knows that they are talking, that all of those animals are um, subjugated. You know, they either own like Scooby-Doo and Astro. Um, McGilla Gorilla is in the zoo. You have Wally Gator. No, he's not in the zoo. He's in the pet shop. Pet shop, I'm sorry. Pet shop. And um, Wally Gator, excuse me, is the one that's in the zoo. And, you know, Yogi Bear is, you know, at Yellowstone Park. And But he's not subjugated, though, is he? Well, yeah, they're not like they let him leave there. He can't just go out and say, you know what? I'm tired of this park. I'm going to just go out to the city. They don't let him do that. He's a bear, though. Yeah, but he can talk. He, he can shot on sight. Exactly what I'm still saying that you know these animals in these instances they are sentient they can communicate but they are not allowed to leave where it is that they are. Um, another um, individual I was I forgot is like the officer uh, was in Dinkley or whatever in Top Cat that he says the only person that knows a Top Cat and those cats talk. That's true too. I never thought about that. You know, so you know what's going on with him. But in these other roles, for instance, you know, McGilla Gorilla, if he is uh, a speaking, talking, reasoning um, being, what right do they have to sell him? 
know, should he be able to? Just, I, I would sell him. I would definitely sell I'm just saying he can speak, he's sentient, and shouldn't he be able to come and go as he pleases? Cranston, are you in? Well, uh, you have to remember, uh, there, also there's another there was Lassie that well, I couldn't Lassie tell speak. what Lassie was saying, Lassie, you know, talk. just by barking. What's that girl? Is Timmy yeah. well yeah. in? But, but she didn't talk. Yeah, but the the owner understood what she, what she was saying because oh Tim, Timmy's in the didn't. Timmy's in the Timmy's in the cave Timmy's in the yeah cave. but the rest of us didn't understand you know if we're if we're standing there and we're supposed to be you know omniscient you know as we're you know watching this how come we don't understand what Lassie's saying uh we're too far away from the set that's why we didn't know what i asked was saying but well like, like uh or like a, mm -hmm. i was gonna say or it's the same thing like root eventually the guardians understood him but yeah. we weren't close enough in con constant communication with him to understand but we didn't right. understand root language right, right. Or, or it could be a a, a game of like a pictionary or something you know you know, like you, you say, okay, so what's the word? Two two words. Rock. Two words. Two words, but you know, it's like it's like giving giving clues to the dog and then the dog Yeah, goes, the dog barks yes or no. Yeah. Yeah, yes or no. Great. Then, you know, doggy it's charade. Yeah, it's like a game of charades, right? It's it's a Timmy. It's a Timmy. Rock. Yes. Yes. You know, one bark, yes, two barks. Timmy, is, is Timmy in trouble? Yes, yes. One bark, yes, two bark, no. Yeah. How is he how is he in trouble? Then it gets complicated. How is he in trouble? Yeah. Rock Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thinking seriously on the issue of should in this why we accept without any type of um question, you know, it would whether these you, I, animals I, I think, are it's a, that it's okay for us to restrict the movement. But I don't think we take the show seriously. I think I think a show like you know, Hanna Barbera is notorious for talking mm -hmm. animals right right but you know in 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 hannah barbera's johnny quest bandit doesn't talk exactly because he's a dog and he's well there's dogs in other yeah, except the fact that he is um a dog that is a regular dog but in a world in a universe we accept the fact that dogs do talk and tigers or snagglepusses talk and um McGilla gorillas you know talk then in that same universe why is it that is acceptable especially like in the case i think of McGilla gorilla to sell him because he's a he's a pet but, not a human being not a human being but he is a sentient being that can speak so is it okay to do that you know Cranston, what do you think? Well, considering that in, in, in a lot of societies, especially here, there was always a precedent for intelligent speaking, thinking, sentient beings being bought and sold. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. and also, McGill Gorilla didn't seem to have a problem with being sold. But he didn't understand, I guess, the fact that. You know, hey, you know, you they really should not be able to sell you. You know, you are a sentient being that can communicate. What right do they have to sell you? Well, you found out that you weren't sold until the check cleared. 
<laughs> and Sonia, did you watch these shows? Of course I did. And what do you think? I think as a little kid, I just went along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not about it. I mean, except for yeah. I, but I'm just saying that that's that's no. It's like until you're an adult. Like I started writing a story, where I, until you actually start. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Your, your brain doesn't click in. These were, you know, who would sell somebody or who would give away, and why well, these, would you... these are built-in. These are uh, societal built-ins. Right. Right. And I mean, think of somebody who forgets their Wally Gator. He's in a zoo. He does not want to be in the zoo. So when he expresses the fact that I would like to go to the Everglades, what right do they have to hold him? Because <clears throat> uh, you're an attraction and you're part of the family. And as part of the family, you can't go. Yeah, you're part of the zoo. But you not, know, not part of the zoo. I mean, I would understand if you said, I really like this zoo lifestyle. And I want to stay here and, and forever. It doesn't matter. But when he says, but, no, I don't want to stay here. I would like to return to the Everglades. Because he can't, he couldn't stop. afford this flight back. Well, and also, you're an attraction now. So, hey, you know, you're on the contract. Yeah, yeah that's how I make money. Contract, that means that I got the opportunity to say yes or no, sign no. or not sign. No, you, you know, have, you may be able to talk, and that's nice. But you don't have the right to say yes or no. You don't have yeah. the you don't have the right of consent. None of these animals have the right of consent. So basically, you're saying that they are what is the word uh, prisoners? Level of ch children that they don't have the right to consent, right? I might as well. Yeah, they don't they don't have the right to say yes or no. I mean, kids can say yes or no. I mean, they're a little, they're a little bit. They're below children, right? But you know they're still animals, so you don't. They're not human beings. You can talk. You can even say things. You may have speech impediments, but you don't have the right of consent. But who makes that determination? I mean, children. What is the what is the word called? The children. Um, they don't have consent because they have an impairment, which is age. But these animals that speak don't have any impairment. They're adults. But so it's still what, animals. They may be adults, but it's still animals. Well, human beings are also animals. We just decided that we get to make the decisions for everyone else. So one, superior animals. Yeah, but once you have an animal that can speak and make its own judgments, then what right do we have to say no to them? I don't well, know. You watched all these shows too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is you get the instant thing about the... Uh, your disbelief is suspended that you just overlook those little things. Like, okay, I'm not going to worry about that because another uh, talking animal was, of course, Flipper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Flipper yeah. didn't talk. Flipper was like last. Yeah, but he talked, he talked, he communicated in a way that was like talk, like speech but to his uh, people again, that again, with. it's like Lassie. He's not speaking in such a way that we, the audience, can understand what Flipper is saying. You know, like you say, this this relationship, you know, between the um, the I don't know, not owner, but I don't know what you call that person that they have that relationship with. This flipper, you know, by he's a free animal. He's yeah. in the water. And he comes and goes as he pleases. So that's a very different situation. Well, it's like, or no, it's, it's like the native people in the Killers of the Flower Moon. It's like we don't, they can't really speak. So we need a white man to interpret for us to tell us what's going on. 
That's I mean, and, that's, and okay, that's the case maybe in Flipper and Lassie, but not the case in Magilla Gorilla, not the case in Snagglepuss, not the case in um, uh, uh, Wally Gator. You know, they speak, they understand exactly what they're saying. They're not children, they are adults. So what is it that makes us so comfortable then? And I could say, you know, maybe the history of, um, what do we call it, uh, human trafficking and forced servitude that make us comfortable with that. I and mean, as children, we aren't exposed to what that really is, but as adults, and we look back at this thing, shouldn't you know we be thinking, huh, how does a sentient being uh, that has a desire to leave be made to stay? Well, it's the uh, old thing about it. it goes back to the thing that they don't mention in all of these things, but the idea is that the animals were quote unquote created to be our, um, not Sorry. necessarily playthings, but yeah, our uh, subjects that, you know, we can do, we can, uh, we can keep them as pets or we can keep them as dinner. You know, it all depends on where they fall on the uh, food chain. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is that they should be privileged to be with us. And the idea is, why would you want to get away from us? That's just absolutely absurd that you'd want to go. But yeah. isn't that the same argument that you, um, the issue that you raised to us many years ago with the concept of that these condition was rascality? It's yeah. Who is yeah. for servitude? Why would you want to run away? You know, because uh, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. That was, that was proof that you were crazy, mental defect, if you wanted to leave. Right. Such a, such a cushy position. And, and the thing is, is though, even if you're, you know, uh, uh, Yogi Bear, who didn't have a speech impediment, spoke very, very eloquently. It's almost like, you know, a black person, right? So you could speak eloquently and, you know, whatever, but you're still black. So, you know, you could be Wally Gator and everything, but you're still an animal. So I, you could, you could, you know, you, no one takes that seriously. Animal speaking, no one takes that seriously. It's not a serious show. It's not serious. You you may be able to speak eloquently, but nothing nothing you say about is of any importance. You know, it's kind of a deeper thing, and it, and and you know, so the kind of thing that, that in society everything has to be questioned, and it's like a money once again like a built-in. Like there's certain people that they they're able to be very eloquent. <clears throat> And intelligent in their thought and their speech patterns and their ability to communicate, and as they as they call it, white people like to use the word articulate and all. But you're still McGilla Gorilla, so you're still going to be sold. You know, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't affect your status. But the other thing is, it's not just in uh, cartoons and. Um... In TV shows, but if you look in advertising, how many talking animals we have? We have an owl that sells people glasses. We have a uh, lizard that sells insurance. We have a bee that gives you to eat better for your heart, and all that kind of thing. And the thing is that people never question these animals speaking. To them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not... it seriously either, though, right? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a, a given kind of. 
and if you look in the way of ownership in uh, things, we've always had this sort of um, not schizophrenic relationship with animals, but it was a whole thing about how um, uh, they were saying that, for example, that dogs are actually on, on an emotional level, they're closely more closely bonded to us than chimpanzees. If you stand right. up with a chimpanzee and you point over to your left, the chimpanzee is just going to keep staring at you. Any breed of dog that you make eye contact with it and you point, the dog will look in whatever direction you point in. Right. They, they've been breeded that way. Right? It doesn't have to be your dog to do that. It doesn't have to be any, you know, any special dog with the chihuahua or a, uh, or a mastiff. You point, the dog is going to look and see what you're pointing at. Yeah. Yeah, so if the attack yeah. dog comes to you, you point the attack dog, well, you say, hey, look over there. They bite your arm, why they bite your arm off. I'm just saying, will they look or not? They look at your arm and bite it. Okay, just wondering. Yeah, I'm just saying. They'll look, they'll look and quickly look and then quickly bite. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think that because of the, the systems that we live in, even things that we take for granted, you know, I think, you know, at first it sounds like a, a silly question to ask, but then because we live in such a systemic environment, you know, it, all of that has to be taken with a grain of salt or a social analysis where, you know, these, these, these so-called animals have the ability to do the things that they do, but they're not taken seriously in any given, you know, point in the show, you know, and, and how that reflects on society. And it's never questioned, right? It's like, you know, you, like Stone just said, you go along for the ride as a kid. It's just ingrained in you, you know? It's like, you, you don't, if a dog could actually talk, right? Mm -hmm. And put on a suit and, you know, do whatever. And, and both of you came and applied for a job. You wouldn't expect that you would lose that job to a talking dog. No, that'd be outrageous. Well, Nick, you were talking, I said, this stuff here that we all watched when we were growing up as kids. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever you know, say, huh, I wonder, who has the right to keep Wally Gator locked up in a zoo when he wants to go back to the Everglades? It sounds like that's nothing. Well, um, you know, but it does. That's, and that's exactly what I'm, I'm kind of getting at. Is that people training? Is that you being trained? You know, you know, a lot of times you could get trained and groomed and we don't think about it. It's like, you know, you know so much bubble gum. But you, there's so many things that train and groom you. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. you know, they get used to the fact that a person or just an animal that can talk and say things and has its own mind and its own will and expresses that it wants to be released from bondage that you can say no, that you know that we have decided that you are an animal or subhuman at least, and as a result, um, we don't have to listen to anything you say with respect to wanting to be released from bondage. Penelope, you know, what reminds me of you well, need to explain that scene in the Skin Game and Lou Gossett. Oh yeah, I don't know if you all if anybody's ever seen the Skin Game. It is an old television movie. Gossett, Andrew Duggan, maybe in it, and uh, uh, James Garner, right? James Garner, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And one scene in the film, their whole point, the skin game, it was a con that they did where you had the James Garner character and he would sell his friend who was the gossip into bondage and then turn around and grab him and come back so that they would be making money. They would sell him, get the money, and then they would get the guy they escaped and do it several, several times. I think that in this one instance, things didn't quite work out the way they thought, and he ended up actually being shipped off, you know, to some plantation. So when he was there in the plantation, and he had been there for a while, the Lou Gossett character, he got the opportunity, you know, he kind of ran up on the uh, slave owner and said to him, oh, this is like a terrible mistake, you know, I've been brought here, and I'm sure you really understand I'm actually supposed to be in a specific place, and you know, if you would uh, only you know listen to me, and I will get in touch with my whoever who's he's it, and then they will you know get me out of here. Thank you very much, sir. And he looked at the this guy man looked at him and said, "If you ever talk to me like that again, I'll kill you." Mm-hmm. This man did not care that this individual was not supposed to be there. He did not care. But this was you know, a man from the north or whatever. He said he saw a black skin and a broad back and said, you are now working for me, Negro. And that was the end of that. So you mm-hmm. can speak, you are uh, intelligent. It made no difference because this man had made a decision that a person that looks like you, go on. Go, Nikki. They don't care how intelligent you are. Exactly. You know, and it's just that we have decided that because of um, our station and the station that we have uh, established for you, that you, even if you in every other instance would have the right to do this thing that you have, that you want to do, that we can say no. And, and we teach this to our children. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's like grooming. I think it really, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the title of your show tonight is kind of funny and off, off kilter a little bit. But if you, you think about it more deeply, it's, it's, uh, it's, to me at least, it's one of those systemic things that groom people to think in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is that when we are um, addressed, can you hear me? Can you still speak, Cranston? Yeah, uh-huh. Good. And we were, we were addressed with the issue. Our first response is to push back and say, oh, of course not. You know, of course not. But then when you really start thinking about it, why are we saying, of course not? You know, why are we saying that? Because it is exactly what it would say, that you have animals who have the attributes of humans and those animals with the attributes of humans are treated as animals. And that we were taught that it was okay. And so we think it's okay. And again, you know, we have Bandit, who's a little dog, and he's, you know, he's taken care of because he's a dog and he's domesticated and he can't take care of himself in certain instances. But if Bandit was put out into the wild, would Bandit be able to take care of himself? You know? And, and no. Right. And so at that point, he's been domesticated. There's that symbiotic relationship now that he's attached to 
his you know so-called owners and um and that's the way that he has to live but you know if you put wally yader back out of the wilderness maybe he couldn't survive because he's been in the zoo for so long but yeah and also he wouldn't be recognizable by, by any other, other yeah because isn't he wearing like clothes or hat or something yeah yeah mm-hmm. but you know, if he had been able to go when he wanted to at the very beginning then maybe he would have that distance from you know his original habitat and then to say well you, know, you might as well stay here because i ruined any possibility for you to fit in where it was that it came from that's well, depressing as hell i think what it comes down to is if you look at it in a way and it's not that much different from how the animals at the top of the food chain treat each other but it's like these animals are given a certain amount of agency and you but you never quite think of them as an eagle because usually somewhere along the way some of the humans would um remind these animals at some point that hey you're an animal and that's the main reason why you can't go they couldn't vote they could not own property they you know couldn't you know they couldn't earn a living they couldn't sue to get their freedom or anything it was like i would allow you to have this much agency but no more and uh there was an interesting thing and it was just last night in the rotation there was an episode of um blackish where junior was coming home with a um, came home with a girlfriend, and uh, she was white. And Bo was the person who was having the most, the biggest problem with it because you know. And they were saying, "Well, but you're half white too, so how can you hold against this woman that he brought home?" And as she was reflecting back on her childhood, how she was trying to fit in everywhere, a bunch of her white friends her- said that you should be in theater because you know you'd be a really good actor and she didn't know the part they were considering her for until she and she did it because you know she wanted to please them because they were doing a version of the wizard of oz and she was cast as the flying monkey oh my god oh my goodness and as an adult she looked back on that and says yeah i probably shouldn't vision but you know Again, her friends gave her agency up until the point they decided, but no, you don't have that much agency. And that's wow. what we did with all of these uh, all of these anthropomorphic animals that we have that you know we look at them and we can bond with them and this, that, and the other and stuff, but we never invite them over to our house, you know, we never invite them inside our house, and we definitely, you know, say, Hey, but you belong. Yogi, you have to stay out in the park. You can't leave the park, but you know you can't stay around here where the people are. Right. We do. Right. And Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo yeah. has a collar on his neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so does uh, Astro. I mean, you know, they can talk, and you know, you know, they speak in these, you know, rough ways with R's. You got trouble with R's or whatever. But you know, yeah, they're owned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other one is, of course, they go to the uh, ultra extreme, well, two ultra extreme, well, three ultra extremes. One extreme, of course, is Family Guy, where you have Brian, who mm-hmm. is not just a talking dog, but probably the smartest person in the household. But periodically, either he will revert to dog-like behavior, he'll chase his tail or something like that, or somebody will remind him that, you know, but you're a dog, even though you have a car. You've written the book, you've done this, that, and the other, you have bank accounts and everything, but you're still a dog. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and the thing is, in that sense, in that show, what meaning does that have for him to be that you are a dog? What I mean, how does he react to being reminded that he is indeed a dog? He never, he uh, basically, he never protested. He will, uh, he doesn't exactly say, yeah, you're right, but he doesn't do anything to, uh, to, to, uh, to subvert those expectations. So he's comfortable with his position. Yeah. Now, in his case, he may think that he can move between both worlds. He can say, I can be over here with you guys when I want to and drink martinis or mimosas. That was his drink and everything. But he can distance himself from their behavior to say, but I'm somehow better than you because I don't do I don't do any things that Peter does. So I'm better than you guys in that respect. But still they know that no matter how much they love him and he's a part of the family and this, that, and the other and stuff, they still say that, yeah, but you know, you're still a dog. And so at some point, and they will remind him of that sometimes when they feel that he's getting a little bit too uppity. Yeah. Uppity. And I, I remember one episode where Cleveland, who's the only black character on the, on the show and, and the dog were dating the same woman. You've wow. got. I don't, I don't know the psychology behind that. I, don't, I, don't. I know the psychology. Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah it's messed up. Well, that's where somebody that's steps up, but it's just a cartoon, so you can't take it that seriously. Yeah, yeah. but understand. I mean, couldn't he have been dating any other person in the show? I mean, could that woman could date and the dog dating some? Some other guy in the show that was not Cleveland. I don't watch the show that much to 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 give an opinion, but I just remember that that stood out as as a as an episode that somebody made a YouTube video about it. You know the fact that that occurred. Um, do you watch the show regularly, Cranston? Uh, I watch enough to keep up with some of the stuff that's going on. Part of it is deliberately they will do things to see just how far they can push the envelope. And you can see the differences between the uh, Fox broadcast version of the show and then one that shows up on, I think, Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. They put in some of the stuff they took out and he said, okay, I don't know how they let them get by with that in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um so sometimes things are done just to push boundaries, but they also have that sort of um, that sort of other thing. If it really pushes the boundaries too far, they say, "But it's just a cartoon. It's just it's all meant and fun. We're just trying to start a discussion and that kind of thing." So yeah, but with whom are you starting the discussion? Uh, you know? Whoever it was who wrote the most angry letters and protested outside the uh, corporate offices. Ah, there we go. Well, I re I remember this 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 same YouTube video when it had uh, it had an episode where Cleveland had left the show and started his own. They had his, Cleveland had his own show, and the the white characters were saying, "Oh, we need to have a a black friend to replace Cleveland." And so, where do we go to find to look for, you know, black people? And and one of them said, "Oh, let's go to airport security." You know, so. They're not when they're talking. They're not talking to me. I got. I don't know who they're. Who's who's that for? 
Yeah, they're talking to themselves, each other. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know who the joke is supposed to be on, you know? Well, the joke is if we, if, if we, if, if we made you laugh and then you were offended or, or whichever order it came in, that means we got our point across. So, um, so we did it that we're, we're definitely trying to push buttons and everything. There was, uh, uh, the cutaways are a good place for that. There was one where Peter is, uh, is, um, Tom Sawyer and they just cut to the, um, cut to the point where uh jim says what did you just call me he says oh, but I, I thought that was your name i mean i heard everybody else saying i, I didn't know that wasn't you know i mean i didn't mean it or anything you know um, but yeah well you know I, I think i think that what's his name think that he's mel brooks from blazing saddles and he doesn't have that agency you know i mean he doesn't he doesn't he, he doesn't have richard Pryor writing his his stuff yeah. you know it's him writing it so he didn't have a, a black point of view, and that's where that's where he comes up empty. The 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 pop the issue, issue is the, the if you watch The Simpsons, which I watch almost religiously when I can, um, you know they push buttons too. But you know the 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 rail that they don't touch too much is is an issue of race. It's more religion, I think, and and you know um, establishment and society and that sort of thing. What's the name? Think he's 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 big and bad enough to take on the subject of race and make it funny, but you got to have a bunch of p other people in the room, I think, before you, you know, for a white person to do that, you got to have other people in the room to tell you what what is funny, you know, to people, the people that you're addressing, and the people you are making the subject of your joke. Mm -hmm. you know, what I mean, in fact, I mean, what is it? The new film, American Fiction, that's coming out in December. I cannot wait to see that film. I don't know if talk about talking talk about talking animals, right? Yeah, man. That thing uh, American fiction with Jeffrey Wright. This thing is a thing. I I saw the trailer and I just burst out laughing. And I don't know if have any of y'all seen the trailer for American fiction? No, no. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. yeah. Where your writing has been edited, you subjugated to hit what they think you sound like. I mean, I thought it was great at the beginning when uh, Issa Rae is that I want there to be, you know, books about my people, you know, our our stories, and then this part of her book that she reads, and everybody in the audience is just standing up and applauding. I just died. I mean, that was so hilarious. I did not even know where to, what to do. It was by Cord, didn't Cord Jefferson write it? Yes, Cord, Je Cord Jefferson's film. He's directed. He wrote, he wrote the, my favorite episode, my favorite episode of the, Watch, of the Watchmen with Regina King, episode six yeah. of Watchmen. What is it? And then, um, what's, what is it called? Um, this enlightened being or enlightened what is it? being or something like that. Yeah. Wow. What great work. What great work. I'm I mean, trying it's, it's a talking animal thing. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't care what you say, how the words come out of your mouth. I need an interpreter. You know. Yes. 
Well, also, it could be the part that those animals turned in. That was the thing that they do in a lot of shows that you will see that they would do the uh, minority substitute. That, uh, like, one of the shows that I did not, I couldn't I couldn't watch it. I watched one episode and said, what's wrong with this? And that was this show, um, I forget, I can't think of the name of it, and it's in uh, rotation somewhere, but it was a show about, um, I remember Robert Patrick was the FBI agent who was essentially the... Um, the uh babysitter for these like brought bright um bright kids and stuff could solve all of these things and had all of these scorpion man- scorpion yeah the scorpion yeah that was it and i said well aren't there any smart black people they could have that but they had an asian who was the substitute for the uh for the uh, minority quotient somebody who was obviously a minority and this one a less threatening one and so you didn't need a black person for that, or even the consultant, and they didn't even have any black friends who would occasionally drop by and find out what they were doing. In yeah. major cities, in a major city. Yeah. 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 So that's what these animals could be the substitutes for, you know, whatever minority you're, you're absolutely right. You they know, were well behaved, they were they were they were uh well spoken they were well behaved they were not and and non-threatening then you know you had bears talking bears alligators gorillas whatever things that normally you would kind of want that barrier to be between you and them but you know you could come they could come right up to you and stuff you could eat from the same table they could take stuff off your plate and you didn't feel threatened by them but they always but it was always that disconnect that they were not threatening but they were also not your equal and they and they knew where where the line was drawn. they knew their place they would yeah they knew their place they wouldn't date they wouldn't date your daughter right that would be inappropriate yeah yogi bear is not going out with my daughter okay you're not trying to get with my wife or something, or you know. And, I mean, and I guess the thing, like the different things, like with the Cleveland, the, the Cleveland show with the Family Guy, that thing across the border, across the, the barrier, saying, "Yeah, this dog is dating, I guess, some woman, right?" Dating the same woman that Cleveland's dating. Yeah, but then he would date a woman like which I think like, I think may have been a black woman. I think it was a black woman, and the dog was dating her, and and Cleveland was dating her too. And the, the black and, woman was yeah. dogs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is uh, uh. yeah. Ringing endorsement there. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, in the in the chat, I put the link for the trailer for American Fiction. If you have not seen it yet, mm-hmm. I would tell you two minutes and a few seconds. Uh, I'd say you definitely should but, look at it. I mean, I saw that and I just how it's hilarious. It's hilarious and sad. How it's sad. And it's I mean, I think so Cord Jefferson. Yes. Cord Jefferson was against hit it out of the park to me yeah absolutely i cannot wait to december i'm going to be like the front row center when that thing comes out but i but i think that cranston had a point a poignant point mm-hmm. about these these dogs i mean there's no black characters in scooby-doo so no. what is what is scooby-doo to stand in for you know what are these animals to stand in for mm-hmm. yeah i mean do they even think that I think they do. I, I think anytime you have a cartoon where, you know, the black character is sitting apart from the other black children, <laughs> you know, if you could be, if you could think that granular and, and have that character sit in a chair 
basically broken. Oh, it was broken. If you could think that year was broken. If you could think that granular, I don't put that past any of this. Any of this, I think that is that is is planned, and it may sound silly, but you know, I didn't think until two, it's a couple of years ago about Franklin sitting on the other side of the t- table. It never occurred to me, not once, not once. Well, some some white people said, "I don't want that black kid, that black animated character sitting next to these white animated characters, not even the dog." Well, the funny thing about it is, is that it's how a society has programmed us, even though we think we're not, we were. And it, and it was the kind of thing where everybody was happy because, well, they did have, uh, some people looked at it and says, well, they did have the little black kid there, but he wasn't crowding up any of the other kids. So that was okay. And then other people looked at it and we were so glad to see he was represented for 40 years. We didn't notice that he was sitting by himself. And when you look at it again, you figure he's either there for a job interview or a parole hearing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. But you know, the thing is you, wow. you, groom, you groom so much. You see it, but you don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. yeah. And didn't notice that even the dog is sitting on the side of the table with the children. Yeah. You know, only, and he's sitting in the broken chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I watched that, a, a beloved, a beloved Charlie Brown cartoon saw it every year, you know, mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving, you know, during the holidays and didn't oh, know. My children to it. Not one time did I know I was being indoctrinated. Yeah. But you put nice music behind it and everything like that and stuff, you know, and you just said, oh, it's so nice and everything that he's he's part of the gang, you know. Yeah. We didn't know that he was a, you know, that, that there was a, a tier system in where you were on the gang. But, you know, hey. Yeah. And also what we realized, what, what year was this? 1974? 1974. I was that a grown crazy. kid. I was a grown kid by then. Yeah, no joke. You know, I like what eleven or something. I was, yeah, I mean, that, that that's yeah. I was that's, I was certain I, at that age. I was racism. What? Get out of here! That's in the history books. Yeah, that's my parents talk about. Yeah, that's old timey people. Mm-hmm. Like they belong in a silent movie. Or something. Yeah, so I mean, it's really incredible. But somebody sat down and said, "We can't have this animated black child." Sit next to the animated white children. Mm. Mm. So I, I, you know, request to talk about Scooby Doo and 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 the other animals being filled stand-ins for black people. Is I got to take it. I got to look at it. Was Snoopy a stand-in for black? He's a white dog, though. Yeah, I mean, black and white dog. But he was. He had all the fantasy life. Like this is what we always dream we want to be, and can't. I mean, saying, but was was did you think Snoopy was? Well, I don't think Snoop. I'm trying to think. Did Snoopy ever go inside Charlie Brown's house? Yeah, he was inside his house cooking the Thanksgiving Day dinner. He was cooking toast and popcorn and stuff. But he was doing it outdoors. No, I thought he was inside. He was inside. 
He's in the house making yeah. the stuff at the house. But yeah. then black people are always allowed to come into white people's houses and cook. Yeah. <laughs> You're always y'all trying to, to blow, y'all trying to blow my mind now, man. <laughs> Is it working? Come on. I just you know we we're, we're trying to work through these things, you know. You know, Wait, remember the biggest thing about uh, about white privilege is white people don't think they're privileged. Some do, and they don't feel guilty about it. But most of them figure, well, it's just the way it is, and this is a privilege that somehow I earned this, even though it was given to me. I earned this, even though I'm a legacy. I earned this. Yeah. Well, the the problem with white privilege is that white people think what they're not privileged because they think white privilege means being chauffeured in a chauffeur car living on Fifth Avenue in the penthouse, that's not white privilege. They, they don't even know what it is. It's not what? being stopped. It's not being stopped by the police. It's being mm-hmm. able to to go into a store and be um, unaccosted, you know, not accosted by by security or or, or being uh, uh, having claims alleged against you that are false mm-hmm. or, or, you know, all those things. That's white privilege. They, they think it's the yeah. media, and they think yeah. it's something like you know, I get to walk around with a diamond-studded uh, bracelet. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Well, for instance, on one scene, I remember in Better Call Saul, when he gets on a bus and he stops in somewhere in uh, Louisiana, I guess that's not a Baton Rouge, and it is a bus stop, you know, in front of a convenience store, in the middle of nowhere. You know, he's got to wait for another bus to come take him back or you know some other route that he has to take. And I looked at that and I said, like that that to me is the essence of white privilege. You know, he was not even concerned with the fact that he's going to somewhere that he had never been, that he knew no one, and that nothing was going to happen to him. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a as a black I mean it's it's bad enough as for black women, but as a black man, I plan my trips, you know, I, I plan where I'm going, you know, I scope it out before I go. I do all this other research. Yeah, I was in, I think, Clarks, Clarksville, Tennessee, a couple of weeks ago. I had to go there for a business trip. And, you know, before I went, you know, I, I, I did all the scoping out that I needed, I thought I needed to do because I'm going to a place that's in the so-called deep south to me. And I'm thinking... You know, if I'm going to be there, I don't know anybody, you know, what's going to happen to me. I, I think white privilege is you don't have those thoughts. Well, no, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the idea that wherever, wherever you go, you belong automatically. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, what are you doing here? You know, that's. Yeah. Right. I don't mean to, to, to say, you know, up, one upmanship, my trauma is worse than your trauma, Otto. But you seem to imply that somehow you're traveling, that it's just sort of more, that you have to make more arrangements or, or things than a black woman would have to do. And I think that no. not. No, 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 I'm, uh, no, not at all. I'm just saying it's bad enough. You know, black women, the, the you know, in the cities and places where they, where they live. You know, the planning of going out is such a, you know, monumental thing. You know, you don't just, just jump up and leave. You know what I mean? And what I'm saying is that, you know, uh, uh, going to a place like Clarksville to me is, is, is almost similar because 
I can't just jump up like like uh, uh, Better Call Saul and go to a place. Right. It, it's and not. I, I, said, I mean, I was telling you that moment, like just in Better Call Saul, I had like a you know minor panic attack over that. You know. I'm yeah. Like, I mean. I'm just like, what the hell? Is he crazy? You know. Yeah. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I remember a client taking me to a place in Texas and he said, Oh, they're racist down there. They got Ku Klux Klan and, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said, man, I, you know, I ain't thinking about no Ku Klux Klan or nothing like that. But when I got down there, there was no, there, there was no one in white sheets or anything like that. But, you know, the, the thing is that the, the hate toward me, was it was palpable. I mean, they didn't say the N word, or you know, I came in, I stood before a tribunal, and you know, started to to represent my client, and the only black commissioner that was on the on the on the on the podium or court, whatever, got up and left. You know, so it's it's a yeah. different kind of thing. It's different. It's like the conversation we have all the time, you know, how Hollywood depicts racism that is somebody burning a cross in your your yard on your house, and 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 then that gives that gives a lot of white people the ability to say that they're not racist. Mm-hmm. I didn't burn a cross. I didn't do these things. Yeah, I, didn't, but... I didn't call you n word. I didn't say right, you know, right. things. And that it's those... a different. Yeah, it's it's different varieties. You know, it's like. You know what do they call it? Forty-one flavors, whatever. Basketball. <laughs> yeah, thirty-eight. Was it thirty-one flavors? I don't know how many flavors. Yeah, it's different flavors of that. Right? Thirty-one. Yeah. Yeah, they got a bunch of them. Hell, I'm driving up to New York. I'm driving up from uh, Tallahassee, Florida, to Rochester, New York, and I'm checking for sundown towns along the way. White white people have that kind of thought in their mind. I mean, how much space? Does that my, take up in my, your brain? My, yeah, my companion did. She said it didn't really hit about the panic I was going through until she saw me looking it up and realizing what I was looking up. Yeah. And at yeah. that time, she was ready to fight and defend, but it never. She's like, oh, I thought you were doing it to see, I'll check for history and all that. And then I saw the panic in your face. Yeah. yeah you got to make sure. Well, I, I can't just walk. I, I, can't just, I, just, I can't just go up. From New York City, and go up to Albany or something, and drive, and stop off at one of these small stores, and not and not be prepared for something that may happen to me, right? Somebody, right. I gotta know where's the last gas, you know? And there may be, and you may say, but there's like ten, you know, towns between here and our our destination. We can stop and get gas anywhere. I said, no, we can't. This is Green Book territory, where we have to know where we can stop. You know, where we know that, you know, because somebody you stop somewhere in one of those towns and you have not done anything and somebody decides that they want to say that you did something and they put you in jail and they take all your money and, you know, what are you going to do? But you know what, though, that, that that's thinking like that, I think, you know, takes up space in your brain mm-hmm. that, that other stuff could be number one. And number two, when I was a kid, I never thought like that at all. Me either. I, I could walk in any place, anywhere, anytime. I only, started, anything. I only started thinking yeah. that way when I got much older, especially um becoming a parent really, you know, made me a lot more aware, you know, well, I, I can, you know, handle myself, but, you know, I wouldn't dare go somewhere and put my children in danger. 
Well, the disconnect is that we are told that you know all we're all created equal, we're all protected by the same laws and that's that the other, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out the thing that says, Yeah, but your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. Little things that uh, that happen. It's not and it's not necessarily the big things like, you know, a good thing I got out of here before, you know, uh the street lights came on. But the little things that happened, it was uh, it was holiday season again uh, several years ago, and uh, they had one person working the uh, counter, and they had their back turned to the other side of the counter. So I was standing there waiting for them to finish with the customer on the other side, and they would turn around, come around the corner, and I would do whatever I was going to do. But it took a little longer. So while that happened, a couple who was a who was a not a black couple came up. And they were standing another way, you know, away, you know, a, a bit away. And we acknowledged each other, you know, nod, smile, hey, how you doing? Happy holidays, that kind of thing. So the clerk finally finished with the other person, came around the counter, and she sees two customers standing there. Now, I would like to think, had I been that person, I would have said, who's next? Or something like that to find out. But she came around the counter and immediately went to the other people who then stood there looking kind of embarrassed. And well, he was here first. And then she came over and didn't say, I sorry, or I didn't know or anything like that. But then, you know, what can I do for you after that? And that's when you're reminded, okay, you know, this is different because you say, well, I would have handled this differently, but this is how it was handled with me on right. this side. So, right. And I remember many times, you know, uh, Penelope or, or or me or both of us were going to uh, court and we look at the judge and we would say the judge looking at us like we're talking dogs. Mm -hmm. Remember that, Penelope? Oh, yeah. Like oh, a yeah. talking dog. It's like, I'm amazed that this animal can speak. Yeah. yeah but you haven't heard a word that I said. No, okay. I'm just amazed that it could talk. Mm -hmm. no, it's like really? that old joke, you know. It's like, what is that animal? That, uh, what's the joke about the dog that can talk? Hey, the guy, the guy goes to uh, some guy from up north, goes to the south, and he's looking through these different um, yard sales, side sales, stops some side road guy sitting there at this little shotgun shack with his dog, because he's there looking through the guy's wares and the little dog, you know walked up to him and he says, well, hello, you know, thank you for coming here. Uh, these uh, items that we have here are, you know, very uh, fine quality. Um, you know, I have traveled, you know, the world in many instances. And I studied at the Sorbonne um, for uh, a couple of years. And actually, I was appointed um, to um, a position, you know, in our, our federal government as an attache. So, you know, I, I really am, you know, thrilled that you're coming here to look at all of our items. And so this guy is like freaking out. And he looks at the guy who's just kind of sitting there on the steps in front of his shotgun shack. He says, oh my God, you know, the dog is incredible. And he says, no, he ain't done none of that shit. Get it? He ain't done none of that shit. Yeah, thank you, Sonya. The point, of course, as we will know, you would believe the dog, but you wouldn't believe if a person, a black person, was doing that. 
No, just, no, the fact that the dog is talking at all. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of what he's talking. He's a talking dog. And the guy's like, oh, he doesn't know that shit. Which is to believe he probably has talking dogs all over the place, ones that have actually done stuff, but we don't even know anything about it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and I and I and I think I think you know, we talk about these talking animals things. You know, I think that they're, you know, we are being groomed that don't know it. I, and we may not be. We may not be. But do we trust do we trust these these shows? It, you know, there, were, there were societal norms that were accepted at the time. Yes. And we need to change it. But, or we need to address it. Or we need to think or we need to think about it. Because right. we, we don't know. And it, people have hidden agendas. Mm-hmm. You know, once again about the, Fra- the Franklin, the Franklin thing. Yep. I did and the not think the thing about uh, Dino Boy. And, yep. oh, God, that's and that's that. That I mean, I'm we don't know. Mind. We don't know everyone's hidden agenda. We may think, we may. It's, it's hubris to think that we know everyone's hidden agenda. You know what I mean? And we we simply don't, and we take it for granted that you know that that sort of behavior, that sort of hate, that sort of prejudice wouldn't migrate into you know animation cartoon things for kids yeah but it does and it does and it did and we just didn't know it i mean the thing with franklin to me i guess is such a horror because again like i said it part of our childhood something we shared with our children that i never knew that i never saw without you know giving a caveat to say okay this is a thing that happened you know and this may cause you some you know discomfort and you know, watching this, and this is why you know this thing happened. But Penelope, you know what though? I'm watching the show for all these years of uh, watching the Th- Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It never caused me any con- uh, uh, discomfort or uh, or any. Um, it didn't. It didn't give me pause to think of nothing. Mm-hmm. But you're so groomed already. You think about. It. But I want to tell you, it did bother me. The not the, the thing that did it bother you when you were little when you saw it. Yes, the thing that bothered me when I was a kid was that they made us sit in the broken chair. I didn't even, that, that didn't even bother me. I didn't even see that. But that bothered me that he had to sit in the broken chair. I didn't realize that he was on the side of the table all by himself. That oh, you're good. You're better than me because I didn't even realize he was sitting in that broken chair. Yeah, and I was like, well, why does, I said, all these chairs, why is he sitting in the broken chair? You know? That bothered me that he had to sit in the broken chair. I didn't realize. I didn't even realize it. Did you all realize he was sitting in the broken chair, Nikki? Did you? It was much, much later that realized. I didn't even realize it. In the sitting arrangement. And did you realize that he was on the other side of the table all by himself, Nikki? When I was a little girl, I did not. But as I got older, I'm like, wait a minute, something ain't right. But you did that on your own? Um, I was a lot older, though, um, Otto. I was a lot older. I was, like, in my late 20s, going on 30s, when I realized him sitting by himself. So that shows you, you know, you just, you just mm-hmm. don't, I mean, I just didn't pay attention. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, good. I realized he was sitting in a broken chair, and I was pissed that he was sitting in a broken chair. But I never did go the second step to realize, hey, 
He's sitting on the side of the table all by himself. Everyone is crowded. But is it? Is it? But let me ask you this: Is it us not paying attention, or us just us just being rocked to sleep? Probably the being rocked to sleep because nobody acted that there was anything wrong with it, and we never presumed that there was anything wrong with it. Because I tell you what, if you if you put that black animated black child on the other side of the table, I I think at least the people that did the show would have would have said. They go, oh, we're gonna get letters, or people are gonna complain, and all this kind of stuff. I don't think people would have would have would have would have noticed at all, but they noticed. It was such a I'm thing. Tell to you, do. I'm gonna tell you the way that I think that those people thought. What they said to themselves was, "Okay, just say doesn't sit on the same side of the table as the other kids. Well, he can sit on one of the ends of the table. You know, where Snoopy is here, he can sit on one end and sit on the other end, and this will know because." He could be then construed as being sit at the head of the table, and they didn't want to do that. Party is sitting at one end of the table. That's unbelievable. And, yeah, and, and I'm saying that they wouldn't even. I think they wouldn't even allow that to sit at the head or the foot of the table with either one. So with each each direction, it could be sitting at the head of the table. Now, see, when I when I was younger, I interpreted well. Everybody always sits all. There's always one side of the table where no one sits because that's where the camera is. Mm -hmm. And it never dawned on me that wait a minute, we're seeing the shot from the top. Right, right. Mine was always oh, that's where the camera is. Yeah, the same side as the camera. I didn't even think of that granular. I just thought, well, you know, all the seats on that side of the table was taken, and so that 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 was the only chair available. Well, yeah. the other thing is, when I take it one one step further, is the fact that uh, we're so caught up in the fact um, that uh, he's over at Patty's house. Patty invites herself over to uh, Charlie Brown's house and brings her uh, plus ones with her and everything. And everybody's together, you know, ride over and everything like that. But as soon as they all get together, the other two white folks join all the other white folks and they just abandon their friend, you know. They don't even sit next to him after that. And they're the ones that <laughs> him there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they got the dog. Should the, the dog is serving everybody. So shouldn't he be on the, on the side of the table by himself with the food said serving? Probably. I mean, that's how granular it is. I mean, that... Somebody really thought about that. That's just so amazing to me. They have um, put together a round table where there was no head. I put them around the round table, but they didn't even do that. No. Could do it. That would have elevated them to night status. <laughs> oh, exactly. my Lord. Oh, my no, Lord. So no I, I think, table. Yeah, I think he's talking animals. In certain instances, maybe in all instances, could be proxies. And I've I've read some. I know Sonia will do her Google thing, but I I read something regarding Magilla Gorilla, where some of us saying that it had to do with like racial prejudice. You know, I I you know I don't know whether to take that seriously. And I, I when I first saw it, I didn't take it seriously. But you know, now I may look at it a second time. I I don't know. Well, I mean. This is a person whose value, I mean, animal thing, and a person being 
now you've been devalued, devalued, devalued down to what is it, two cents? Yeah. He's eating a lot. He's eating a lot of food. He got big. And he's wearing, wearing the derby. Mm -hmm. But the issue is, you know, once he is there, I mean, can they say, "Well, look, McGilly Gorilla, we cannot find anybody that wants to take you to their home. Why don't you, you know, take you back to where you came from? You know, you might it's be able to." Your I, I think. I think there was an episode, and I can't believe I'm remembering this, but there's an episode where he tried to integrate himself back into the jungle, and he got into an altercation with another gorilla and he was beaten up or something. I think it was that he couldn't get food. They kept the food away from him, and he was hungry, so he came home. Yeah, it was something like that. He couldn't make it in the jungle. Well, they did to take away from you all of the skills that you have that enable you to you know live in your own community so that you need to become a slave to theirs yeah but willingly a willing slave i mean a participant you know he wasn't willing because he tried to go home he wasn't willing he was trying i to mean go McGill did not try to go home How did he get back? How did he get back then with the other animals? I don't know. He was shipped like back episode, or something like that. He was yeah. put in the wrong. He was put in the wrong crate. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he 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 wasn't trying to leave Pebbles, uh, Mr. Pebbles' shop or nothing. But if he didn't know anything about Mr. Pebbles' shop, I mean, is that his fault? And that's a more thinking than I'm I'm capable of as as an as a as a kid. So yeah, yeah. I just think, you know, is it his fault to be removed from his home, only taught, you know, the language of the place where he is, and then if he gets back to his home home and has not been prepared in any way to take up life there, why is that his fault that he, you know, did something wrong? I, I, I didn't feel that he did anything wrong, even as a kid. I didn't feel anything. But I felt that, you know, it just, you know, he was a, he was a, a burden on peoples. He was a burden. But peoples couldn't didn't have to take him in the first place. Yeah. I mean, peoples caused the problem, and so peoples should have had to bear the burden. Yeah. And you know, just, just blaming the victim for the crime. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, peoples took him, and he's responsible. I was you know, trying to get somebody. Always trying to get somebody to buy them. Yeah, because this is an expense that he had not been prepared to take on, but it was his own fault. I didn't know he was going to get that big. I don't. I didn't know he was going to get that big. Well, you know he's what? A gorilla. Of course, he's going to get. Yeah. That big. <laughs> there are people in there are people in Texas that that like get to get like uh, tigers and other animals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Holy cow! I didn't know he was going to get that big. And they let it let it loose. Loose. Yeah. Take him into the mountains and let him loose. Yeah. Like, or the folks who told drop you? their snakes down the drain and Yeah. It's like who told you that you could get one of those things? I didn't you know, know the first thing about it. I didn't know it was gonna get that large. Yeah, you know the first thing about it, yeah. You go out and get it because it looks all the way right. It was cute. Yeah.
Well, it was, it was like another almost talking animal who was understood that was cute was a cheetah. And everybody thought cheetah was cute because cheetah was a chimpanzee, but he was, what, three feet tall? Mm-hmm. But you know that a full-grown adult chimpanzee is like five feet tall? Oh, really? You didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I don't want that in my life. Yeah, that's why all the dangerous. He's not as cute anymore when he's the same height that I am and three yeah. times strong, you know. So that so that uh, that chimp in Tarzan was a baby chimp. Yeah, I thought it was a grown chimp. See, I didn't I didn't even know that. The adult chimp was the one. I think it was a woman in Connecticut who had an adult chimp who did not know that you know adult chimps are territorial and they're not cute and is amenable. And it attacked uh, her best friend who was visiting her. And it did all the things they do in the wild, which is how when they fight each other, and because they're a lot stronger than we are, no matter how many uh, curls and, and uh, how many miles we do on our peloton, we're still no match for them. And uh, the first thing they do is they try to blind their, uh, their opponents so they gouge their eyes out then they bite your fingers off so you can't fight them anymore. And so that's another thing that she did not know that that's what happens when they're being territorial or being threatened. So I remember that. I remember yeah. the movie. Remember the movie Nope? Yeah. Yeah. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing is that we read too much of our behavior into animals that don't have anything in common with us except a few strands of DNA mm-hmm. but make a difference. Yeah. And that, again, that, you know, anthropomorphic uh, mindset we have, you know, imbuing animals with human thoughts and human um, desires and motivations. And it's just not this not the same, you know. Also, the other thing that we don't think about it is, and this is our own hubris and uh, and whatever is that we also think that these animals not only want to be around us because they like us, but they admire us and they love us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, but in actuality, we're just they from whom all food flows. Yeah, or more food. <laughs> or or food. Okay, there we go. I mean, but I think it's really amazing, you know, when we look at these animals and exactly why what is the attraction, you know? Well, the other attraction is of course that these animals are talking to us, but they're never talking to us about anything that concerns them. They're invested in our problems. They're invested in our well-being. You know, Wilbur. You know, uh, Ed doesn't care that Wilbur leaves him out there in the winter in that stall. Which, <laughs> you didn't put a blank in the morning and think he was just worried about. You know, Wilbur has to uh, get a forgot to get an anniversary gift for his wife. Right. Ed has to help him with that. Oh God! You know, I mean, he's like a slave. It's like, like you know, it's like Michael, like Michael Max said, you know, it's like we're sick. We sick. We sick, Massa, we sick. <laughs> Massa, you sick, Massa, we sick. Oh my God. Y'all killing me. Y'all killing me now. 
Yeah, but you know, I think we have to think about these things. What what do they mean? Why are they acceptable? Why are they attractive to these type of stories? You know? I mean, it's different when you think about okay, certain things like Brer Fox, Brer Rabbit, because they're living in their own animal world, right? Except understand in Brer Fox, Brer Rabbit, etc., the story Tar Baby. See, when I first read that, I was a child and I did not understand what the hell that was. And uh, only when I became an older child was uh, I explained because I asked, what is this? What is this? And I was uh, informed by my mother that a tar baby was supposed to be, that tar was a little black child. And that this rabbit walked by and then said, hello, tar baby. And the tar baby said nothing. And so Brer Rabbit said, I'm going to slap Tar Baby in the face for not having acknowledged him saying hello. And then when his hand got stuck, he said, you know what? The Tar Baby grabbed me. I'm going to slap Tar Baby in my other hand. And then slap Tar Baby again. And then got stuck. Now, the thing that is very interesting to me is who is this Brer Fox who started this the tar baby, tar baby concept he knew how racist bear rabbit was and that's exactly what he would do wow Don't you think that's interesting yeah it is he knew is exactly what that racist yeah i didn't had no idea what they were talking about that they met me yeah they said tar baby i had no idea I did not understand what a tar baby was to my mother i told don't know me. what that was i, I thought it was a baby made of tar what I, yeah, that's about it. I don't know. And the whole point is, my mom explained that to be like in third grade, but she explained to me what that was. Wow. I was about the same age when mine explained, well, explained what a tar baby was. And then she sent me to Panama City to hang out with my uncle for the summer. So, of course, I darkened. And I'm calling her when she comes to pick me up at the, when we find, she comes back to pick me up at the airport. And she looks and goes, I don't know who this tar baby is. And I, they said, I cried and cried because I remember my mama told me what a tar baby was. And here she is calling me a tar baby. Wow. That was my mom's most vivid memory. She said that was one of the more painful memories that she lived, that she had that word actually came out of her mouth and realized what she had done. And that she had damaged you like that. And I mean, yeah, that, that's the kind of threat that takes you. But she, prob she was probably saying it, you know, like to be funny, not to be hurtful. But she still called me a tar baby. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying. You know, yeah, just yeah. Like we talked about it after, as, you know, as an adult, yes. I understand exactly why she meant it, et cetera, et cetera. But. I think I was, it wasn't until I moved back to Panama City like four years later that I finally recovered from that incident. Yeah, but that's the wrong thing for a child. You know, it's like being attacked by the person that you were talking You yeah. explained it to me and then you called me one. Yeah. Yeah, your skin, because your skin is dark, you know. But the tar, yeah, I, mean, I never, I never associate the tar baby with black people. I just never. I mean, I, I did not when I first read the story. I did not understand it, and then I spoke to my mother, and she explained 
what it was. Yeah, but see, you know what though? To be mm-hmm. to have it explained to you at that young age, mm-hmm. I think that's great because I didn't know anything about I did I heard about it and saw it in the book, but it never registered mm-hmm. to me that it's supposed me to be either. black. Me either. I mean, said I was a grown man. So I, was a grown man. I was like eight years old. Yeah, but you, yeah. But how does that affect you at being told that at such a young age, though? I mean, I was shocked. I mean, I was. I mean, I knew. I mean, I was by eight years old. I knew there were a lot. Saw... Negative, I knew there were a lot of racial epithets. But did you see? Had. Did you see the Tar Baby? And you didn't see Song of the South because that. Not that, that became that an adult. Oh, <laughs> Well, it aired in New York on the big screen just before they put it on the shelf. What year was that? I don't remember, but I remember watching it on the big screen in New York. I City. never saw that. I mean, the first time we saw, I saw that movie was when me and Penelope saw it, mm-hmm. you know, on one of those sites that you're not supposed to go on, but we saw it anyway. And um, it, it was a different film, no doubt, you know. There's a lot to be ashamed of, but then there's a lot to be, you know, contemplated. It's a movie that I think should be released and and discussed. Yeah. Anna, mm-hmm. hold on. I'm being visited by one of, another one of the puppies. Oh, she left. <laughs> All right. Well, I know that um, when I, I think the thing that bothered me most about it, I think, it just when I think back in my childhood, when I was reading it and then understood what it meant, was that when we read that story, they try to imply, not try to, they imply, and not may imply, they are um, basically that Br'er Rabbit is a good guy, right? Uh, is he? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, hey, Br'er Rabbit, you know, he's the one who tricks the, the way and, you know, oh boy, you know, Br'er Rabbit is, you know, the he's supposed to be the, the good guy. The bad guy was a brer fox, brer wolf. Is the other brer fox, bear, bear? Other ones are the, you know, the bad guys trying to get, you know, bear rabbit, blah, blah, blah. I said, but they sell this story. This person who would see a black child and to slap them in the face because they don't address them. And that that was supposed to be okay that's that's supposed to be the the action that you take when that situation occurs exactly in, in the interaction between a black child and anybody right who's not black yes yes and understand that in this story in song of the south these stories are being what retold or told by uncle remus so this is yeah. a black man sitting there telling a story about this rabbit this this anthropomorphic, you know, thing. Right. Um, slapping yeah. a black child. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, it's almost... And then, it, it hits you in the, in the pit of your stomach. And and yeah. not to mention the, the crows, mm-hmm. the crows in... Um, Dumbo. And Dumbo and the monkeys in, um, in Jungle Book, you know? I mean, they're in India. Mm-hmm. Right? So why, why does that monkey have a southern accent? I don't think he has a southern accent. I think it is. I don't think he does. I want to be like you. Yeah, people say that all over. Wait. I'm, it sounds southern to me. Not to me. 
Well, Louis was based on Prima. Louis Prima, the jazz singer. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, that's just, to me, just so that he's a he does sing like a jazz. What you call it? You know. Yeah, it sounds like a. He sounds. If I had to, you know, it sounds like a black a black person to me. Well, it's in India. I'm but, saying, but India, India. If you go to Great Britain, when they say black people, they usually mean Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, yeah, but that's not you know what I mean. You yeah, but so that's the that's the so I think somewhere along the way a Disney animator just oh it's a black person and like, okay I'll use my black person as an example. Not knowing the history of, of uh, that given you know that's giving them a lot of uh, a lot of benefit of the doubt. No, it's giving them a lot of stupidity. Yeah, well, you know, actually, but understand that when we were children, and I, another thing my mother had explained to me was remember those books of Little Black Sambo? Yeah, I had that in my house. And they refer you know people to black people as Sambo, and my mother said no. That is an Indian person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like um, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo wasn't about black people in the South. It was about Indians. Then why did they say N-word then? Because they changed it <laughs> when the, the, the actually, what is, is it South African where the word for black is actually Niga, something like that? I don't know. I can't remember. There's actually, it's actually in the language that the language, you know, that's I know the word. Didn't, didn't they have to Africa. change? These were and then, you know, yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, didn't they have to change Agatha Christie's? Yeah, they the did. Of a book? Yeah. The Ten Little, yeah. Ten Little Indians? Yes, absolutely. Because the name of it first was the Ten Little Niggas. Yeah, so I don't think they were talking about Indian people. I think what it was, understand that they had used that term to express their derisiveness toward any foreign person. Remember, I want to. Rem- I told you when we were watching Revenant, and that was it for me. When they, the first they said, "Hey, well, the looking out for those tree niggers," I'm like, "What?" And all the fucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the N word is just. And this is in Canada. Well, they are well, in Canada. Talking about the, um, it's, a of, it's a bunch of it's it's like the N word is used for different feelings and you know sand sand yeah. N word yeah tree N word yeah you know there's yeah, different you know remember when um there's a, a Trevor Howard has a command uh, a thing in one of his first um performances in the state he didn't realize he was being insulted when somebody called him the N word because that's the word that they that's the word in South African. He didn't you know and people had to explain to him that though that's an insult over here in America. That's the word in South Africa for what? For black people. Then who coins that phrase? Ger- it's a the well, South African language is a mix of German and is it Norse? I can't remember. The, the, the South, the Black South Africans call themselves. That? Yes, they call themselves that too because that's just the word. Oh, all right. He didn't realize it was an insult until some an, an American uh, African American explained to him that that was a curse. That's an insult here. I'm gonna take that with a grain of salt. That's what, that's yeah, a, I think salt. it's Dutch. 
Yeah, yeah something like that. I'm saying that with a grain of salt, though, because I, because I think everybody over the entire world knows that N-word is an insult. Not everyone in, you know, we are, you know, yes, we are part of a global majority, but most people, the prominent language is in English, contrary to what Americans like to think. I don't know. And if you saw any film with black people in it, you know, that they, they, they weren't happy with that word would use in their, in their context. Right. You saw any, any show, any movie with black people in it. Whether that word was was innocuous in your language, you you gotta know that that's a that's an insult to, in this in this country. Yeah, but if we're using it on ourselves, yeah, that's not a rap song though. So I'm I don't know. I mean, well, I don't. Well, I'm not. Well, I'm gonna say this. I mean, when you say someone used that term, and was it a black person or was it a white person? I don't remember how he, I'm looking it up now, because I don't remember how his context was, but I just remember him saying he never knew it was an insult until he came to the state. Yeah, I mean, if it's a black guy comes to me. A lot of times, yeah, I consider that to be, um, you know, it is an insult. Well, if a black person comes oh to God, me. If a black guy came to me and said, hey, my end, what's going on? What's happening? I haven't seen you in a while. It's no insult. Insult? Not an you insult. Know? But and some I'm white sure person they, says that. I'm sure there are terms that other people who are um, ethnic groups, work, they say to each other that if we said them, that it would be an insult and fighting words. But there are words that we say to each other that are, you know, that, you know, that other people saying are insults and fighting words. I mean, I may, you know, talk with my spouse and we may say all sorts of, you know, inappropriate things to each other that other find inappropriate and we may laugh at because that's between us and it's no business. So I hear white people say, you know, black people call each other, you know, in. That's right, black people call each other in. And you're not one, you don't get to do it. You don't have that kind of intimate relationship. Just like you had a term that, you know, Know that you are whatever your nationality is, and um, you call that word to each other. I wouldn't do it because it would be it would be inappropriate. So you know, I mean, I don't understand about that mindset that they should get to say something to people who have intimate relationships or connections with each other by ethnicity or nationality, and uh, they think they can say whatever it is just because they want to, and it's like, no, they don't get to. You know, we don't do it to you, and you don't do it to us. Some things you don't just say, and that's in a, in a polite society, in a civilized society. And see, I just say, I don't want that word used. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you know, I have And they you say, hey, I don't like that word. I don't like you to use that word toward me. Then nobody should use it toward because you do not want it to be used. But well, you know, I had a I had a secretary who didn't like the word use the word girl with her. You know, and, and use it all the time. Said, girl, what's good? What's up? And she thought it was demeaning, especially if if a white person said it, she thought it was demeaning. Yeah. You know, but you know, uh, I, I can say that to a lot of black oh, women. Okay. okay, who is breathing into the thing? Probably me, because 
I was coughing just earlier. Okay, I didn't hear coughing, but it is a breathing. Okay, okay, go on, go on, sorry. But, you know, you could say, hey, girl, what's up? To black hey. women, you know, it's not an issue, but if a white person said it, or a white man said it, it would be an issue. Right. I'm not your girl. I'm not a girl. You know, I'm a grown woman, right? <laughs> And people feel very strong. And, and the same thing. And the same thing. If a, white, if a black woman said to me, "Hey, boy, what's up?" You know, that's it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. The routine is in Trevor Noah's special "Son of Patricia." Because he, he talks about. Um, he explains his relationship to the word as a black South African explaining its meaning to give in his hometown, um, mm -hmm. his home language of um, Kosa, Kosa mm -hmm. offering that it would uh, potentially function as the South African equivalent kafir. That's right. Kafir is the negative word. Right. Uh, and the nigger is to give. Um, and then he said it would be interesting to send all the rice, racist white people to South Africa where upon landing they can call every person they see a nigger and seeing how its context outside of American doesn't hold the same power. Mm -hmm. That's where I saw it. That's right. And COSA, the word is means to give. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the thing is that the N-word doesn't have any power. Power of who? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why a lot of people use it because they think it has power. Send them to a place where the word has absolutely no power. They're going to think yeah. they're panhandling if they go to South Africa. Ah. Send it to Bedford Stuyvesant and them say even better. Well, there was an incident at a they had churches chickens out in Texas and Georgia. Oh. Okay, I, I'll take that as a yes. So I'm in a church's chicken, and um, this was in the morning. Morning, just before the lunch hour starts, and apparently they were understaffed because somebody didn't come, and the manager, who was white, had to uh, stay and work an extra shift and everything, and they just had one person on the counter and one person back in the kitchen. And so the uh, manager, the counterpart, uh, was not happy about having to be there for another shift, and she was trying to get that straightened out with the owner of the uh of the uh, of the restaurant, who was uh, Asian, uh, Indian, or something, somebody from over there and stuff, you know, and so he's being very, you know, said, well, you know, this, that, and the other and stuff, and you know, we're glad you could fill in for this and this, that, and the other, but the manager, who was again white and very southern, was not very placated by this. And uh, she said, and this was, and she was the only white person there. I was the only customer in the store. There were people in the line outside, but they were all black. And she said loud enough for everybody to hear um, that I'm not your Negro, only that wasn't the word that she used. And um, so I'm thinking, you know, should you be saying that like with customers and your coworkers here and everything? And so uh, I think even the manager, you know, the owner and stuff said, well, let's step outside and continue this discussion because, you know, we can't be saying that. And after she went outside, the uh, guy on the uh, in the kitchen said, huh, 
an ancient Negro, and he just repeated what she said. But yeah, uh, when this is the first thing off your uh, out of your mouth and stuff, or the first thing that you go to, yeah, you know what it means. Yeah, you can write you can write that check to Otto. Address it to my address. Yep. Or you can wire your transfer the money to my account. Yep. Yep. Say, uh, say, yeah. Or, or it's like you know, you got a choice. I know you're, you know, backed up and stuff, but maybe somebody don't need a job there. Mm -hmm. And so you keep her there. Then I guess my money, you keep her, my money goes elsewhere. Mm hmm. Wow. I'm sorry, people that were working there, I would have been like, uh, she's gotta go. Nope. I said she I would go and you write that check. <laughs> well, you the thing nowhere, you cheaper, man. So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like they probably did not think that that was the best choice of words you could use, but they probably heard something like that before. And there's that over familiarity that some people have that um they figure, well, I hear it so much, I can say it too. And you yeah. just kind of look the other way. Well, it's like it's like it's like uh, Jackie Chan in um in that movie. What's Rush the name? Of the yeah. What's up, my in? <laughs> he said, "You can you do what I do. Yeah. You come in here and you do what I do." And so he's kind of doing everything. The Chris Tucker character goes on. He says, he comes back to, "Hey, what's up, man?" He comes in and walks in behind. What's up? Like, what? Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, the wrath of God then poured down on him. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was very, it's a you know interesting way to show you don't get to say everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get to say everything, and understanding that you know we're here and this is something that guy said and no, you know, I was not allowed to say it. Mm hmm. And you know, not screaming and crying. Hey, I want to. They said I want to say it too. No, he was mistaken. No. Yeah, he was quite mistaken. That that yeah. was he should not have repeated. Well, all the time, but then he did know. There's a book that I don't know if it's still in print, but it's aimed at people from other countries who are trying to learn English and the mistakes that you make when you try to translate the way you say things in your language and what you say in your language into English. And now you can be uh, misunderstood and this kind of thing. And some of them are kind of cute because they had the uh, this woman who was a, um, uh, 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 I guess, maid uh, or whatever the more uh, correct term for people who change, do the turn down service and everything. And she was saying the saying that I'm putting new shits on the bed, and that was just the way she pronounced sheets. But had the cartoon of what if she was actually doing doing a uh, Amber Tamlin on your bed, and uh, <laughs> and if, if not, so a lot of things were kind of cute for those things. But the one that they they put in big, and they took like three pages in the book to explain. I don't care how long or how short you've been in this country. The one word you do not use on any context is the N-word. They even said, this can get you killed in some places. No, do not say this. No matter who tells you, it's okay. Don't do it. So, yeah. 
They're trying to get you killed. Anybody says for you to use it is probably trying to get you killed. Yeah, said you will not. Your, you know, your your um your outcome will not be a good one if you do that and everything. So, well, you know what though, I, I was saying that if a person from another country, especially like, like a India or something like that, or said said the word to me, mm-hmm. it depends on the context, right? Yeah, but like they're so, saying, don't use it, and you won't ever have to know. You don't have to worry about right. Absolutely right. Right. You're absolutely right. Never have to know. You never have I to mean, worry about it. But I remember people. It. I remember people lost their minds because uh, in one of the uh, BTS songs, uh, Hosuk is doing a rap and he uses what he says "nega," and oh my God, he said it. Said no, it's "nega." In Korean, it means "I." Okay, no, he's speaking Korean. He said the word. You know, he said the. Word, Sound like I. he said the N word. Yeah, no, that's that's how you say "I" in Korean. No. Say something else. Say me. So, so say I. Say me. <laughs> yeah, let me get a rest of your pronouns. Yeah, <laughs> use a different pronoun. Yeah, that's that's, that's the way you say. It. That's the, somebody. He's not speaking English. He's speaking Korean. So that's just you know understand context. Right? Yeah, there's a whole line of uh, YouTube videos. Say, tell me something in your language that would sound offensive in English. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole lot of people. Well, it's like, it's like somebody, I think, uh, Penelope, wasn't your mother? And somebody said that they used a white person used the word uh, niggardly, which yeah. is an actual word, right? That, yeah. But of, of all the words to choose, there's so many different yeah, synonyms, that, you could, synonyms that you could use yeah, instead of using that word. You went word. a long way. Yeah, you went a long way to use that word. Right. There's so many other words that you could have used, right? Right. So I look at people and say, hmm, you know, you went a long way to choose that one, didn't you? Right. Because there's so many other synonyms you can use, right? But you, you said niggardly. Because you, you want to say niggardly. Yeah. You want to start some shit. That's what it is. All right. So it won't start those. Don't come on. I mean, I'm looking at our clock and we're getting up there, guys. And um, this has been a really great show went exactly in the direction that I had hoped that it would was kind of discussing you know some of these uh issues with respect to meaning versus you know what what we actually have seen or what they actually mean uh when they are using certain uh animals and and you know I mean not just the concept we didn't get into the other one that I really want to talk about as well is you know, is Davy crazy? Is Wilbur crazy? Yes. No. No. Yes. Davy yes. is full of the spirit. Yeah, he's crazy. Davy's <laughs> full of the spirit. Yeah, crazy. That's spirit. what my Seventh Day Adventist teachers always told me. Davy, oh, full of the right. spirit. That's why he hears the animals talking. He's a oh, lunatic. Hey. He's a lunatic. That's he's a right. lunatic, and so is Wilbur. Really, yeah. Sonia, when you were a kid, that's what they said. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, That's why the animals could talk when Jesus was born. It was a mere special miracle that because Jesus came down, the, and the animals could talk for, I think they said, for like 15 minutes or whatever the time was, mm-hmm. because they were full of the spirit. They were the only pure ones on the planet, so they could hear, they could talk, and, and people could hear them for that brief time. Okay. You know what they say, if you have these beliefs and uh, 10,000 people believe that you have religion, but if it's just like one or two people, 
You crazy? Mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. Mental illness. All right. That's like that, but I think that you know, thinking a lot about you know, again, why we use animals to represent certain things, and like you were saying just then, Sonia, the concept of purity. You know, are they saying that you know they're the only ones without sin on the planet? And so you're that's why we eat them. Child who is pure of heart. Thank you, Otto. Uh, your child is pure heart, then you'll be able to speak with pure. your animals. Yep. That's why we eat the lamb. We eat it. Okay. Yeah, well, you. that goes back to something that uh, Douglas Adams brought up in the restaurant at the end of the universe, where when you order something off the menu, they roll the animal out who is sentient and talks to you and tells you which parts of, you know, of their body, <laughs> the tenderest or something like that. And of course, Arthur Dent from Earth is like absolutely appalled by this and is shocked. An animal says to him, well, which one do you think is better? Is it just take an animal and, you know, take them out and stuff and they don't know what's going to happen to them or an animal that is aware that this is its purpose in life and they can accept it, you know, and go to it, you know, gladly. Yikes. But the person is still freaked out. Right? So, so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah. Yeah, thank you all the fish. All right. I'm going to tell you guys again, this has been a really good conversation. I'm really, you know, thought provoking. And, you know, when we first, you know, were kicking it around and we, I mean, we got much further in it than we ever did when we were kicking it around. In fact, we start kicking it around, we stop really talking about it because we want to really get into the conversation when we get everybody in the room. I wish, you know, that James, you know, had been here. But if William or Roxanne would have showed up because I think we really had a much more big boy. So we have a part two. Yeah. And make yeah. sure they're here. Yeah. So there again, you know, this was a great discussion. And thank you all for showing up and, and you know, taking really you know, getting engaged in this and uh, give me a lot to think about, you know, more than I had uh, come to the conversation with. So, um, Thank you all very much. And this Veterans Day at uh, what, 11, 11 in the morning, which you missed, but yeah, Veterans Day for all you veterans. Thank you very much for your service to our country and to um, the world, I guess. You, know, you put, you know, this is the last, what do you call it? Uh, it's your last, um, what's called a devotion to the cause, whatever it might be, be for the benefit of the world. And uh, Thank you very much. And the congratulations okay. to Tracy Chapman for being the first black woman, black songwriter to win an CMA for a 35-year-old song. Wow, are you kidding me? Yep. Right uh Fast Car won best song. So she got in a she's now in country music history. Wow, fantastic. Congratulations to her. All right. Well, thank you all very much. Everybody have a wonderful remainder of this Veterans Day weekend. Take care of yourselves. We'll be back here next week. Um, good night. Good night. Good night. 
At Texas Capital, we know your ambition is as big as Texas. That's why you're here. You call Texas home for the opportunity, for the untapped potential and intrepid possibilities. So why are you still banking without ambition? Come to Texas Capital and you'll find more than products and services. You'll find people who understand how to make them work in Texas. You're here, your community is here, and at Texas Capital, you can bank like you live. Learn more at TexasCapital.com. That's TexasCapital.com. Texas Capital, member FDIC. At Texas Capital, we know your ambition is as big as Texas. That's why you're here. You'll call Texas home for the opportunity, for the untapped potential and intrepid possibilities. So why are you still banking without ambition? Come to Texas Capital and you'll find more than products and services. You'll find people who understand how to make them work in Texas. You're here. Your community is here. And at Texas Capital, you can bank like you live. Learn more at TexasCapital.com. That's TexasCapital.com. Texas Capital, member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.